so the lesson here is make sure you're profitable from day zero. <laughs> yeah, pay yourself zero and then yeah. just get money coming in. Yeah. <clears throat> As an engineer, it's, it's great because if I go to an investor, right, and I'm an Irish person, I'm like, I'm gonna build a business in Kenya. They're like, probably not, mate. Probably not gonna happen. <laughs> I don't see it. They Jack Dorsey came in. Yep. Like a room of 20 of us, he spent like three hours with us, like wow. looking at our apps and like commenting on the design. I'm like, this wow. is kind of ridiculous. Um, and as a person who's like at home reading TechCrunch, like these things are a million miles from, yeah. from where I so am. People I'm used not... to read about online, now totally. they're sitting in front of you, like yeah. going through your app and giving you feedback. It's ridiculous, yeah. completely ridiculous. Do you think that exposure was important for you? Um, it definitely, and if you're a founder or you're considering being a founder or you're pivoting or whatever it is, mm -hmm. um, if you have the fundamental belief that things will be, some of this is obvious, yeah. like, Will a digital bank be big in 10 years? Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. So it's like, do you have a belief that people, um, you can get behind and believe in, and then you can have others get behind because... So you came first to Kenya. Yeah. Okay. And you said, okay, there's 14 microfinance uh, bank licenses issued here in, in Nairobi, uh, in Kenya, and you try to get one. I very naively thought we'd be the 15th. Yeah. <laughs> and then what happened? Oh Lord, this is like probably the worst. What's up, everybody? We are here once again in Nairobi, Kenya today with the founder and CEO of Amba, Tiernan. Tiernan, welcome to the Builder Africa show. Benji, thanks for having me. I'm so super excited for today. It's, uh, it'll be great to learn a little bit more about your journey. We're going to go talk about raising, starting off in Ireland, going to the United States, going to Kenya, having the challenges and difficulties in building in Kenya, all the way to launching a digital bank and acquiring a digital bank afterwards in Kenya as well and, and launching a company in Nigeria and now back to growing and raising over $18 million to where they are today. Uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here and uh, known you for a while now, so it's good to get this. I've been following the series and uh, I think it's a good, it's a very good insight into what I was building. So I think it's, what you're doing is actually a great thing for everyone else to watch. Mm. So I'm happy to, to be involved. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Let's start at home. Okay. Um, so Ireland. Yes. Uh, you know, the land of Irish potatoes, yes. the land of, you know, great, you know, different types of athletes and sports. Well, depending, <laughs> debatable. We had a couple of great years yeah. in soccer, early yeah. 90s, yeah. and then it hasn't been as good recently. Yeah. 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 And so tell me about the journey, the upbringing in Ireland. Yeah. So um, basically I was born in County Clare in Ireland. So it's on the West Coast. Um, by the Atlantic Ocean, basically. Mm -hmm. So Cliffs of Moher, if you know those, like big, massive cliffs getting beaten by the Atlantic Ocean. Mm -hmm. um, and then, obviously, lots of castles all around the place. So my first job was actually in Bonadi Castle, in this 1500s um, castle. I was washing dishes for the summer, and it was very, very good. And um, But then, you know, grew up in the countryside, and then got uh, went to school in Limerick, and actually won kind of... Uh, Thing that's quite interesting in terms of like fintech is that the Stripe guys mm. also went to school in Limerick, just across the city oh. from us. So and it's a pretty small city, like fifty thousand people. Wow. So um, there is a little bit of fintech going on there yeah. um, beneath the radar. And then yeah, that was it. And then I went to Dublin for college, went to Trinity College Dublin, which was um, a really good experience because it's it's a college that used to be. Um, at the time, it was far away because when uh, Dublin was like a Viking, Viking settlement, mm -hmm. you know, they, they build by the river, right? Mm -hmm. So then where the college is actually kind of 
um, south of there at the time it was quite far away it was called Queen's College because the Queen obviously built it when the British were were um, in town let's yeah. say yeah. <laughs> um, and then but what's happened is the city obviously grew south so now it's actually like a college in the middle of the city oh, wow. and it actually gets like tourists and stuff coming in because we have this book of Kells which is a very old book hand painted by monks like hundreds of years ago wow. so actually you're in a college that has like tourists walking around as you're going to going to school because it's like it looks like Hogwarts half the buildings oh wow yeah no it's it's very very cool like the museum building where I did a lot of lectures is I think from the 1600s or something like that wow um <clears throat> so yeah I really enjoyed my time there um so by the way that's a, a shout out if anybody is going to Ireland TNN is offering free tours free as tours. well um so feel free to reach out to him and after you've signed up and use Umba and then uh, he'll offer you a free tour um, separate separate uh, plug for that one. That is a fact. It's, it's actually funny you mention that. So when, if you're a student, you get a discount into the museum, into the Book of Kells. So me and my friends used to like find tourists and be like, if you split the difference with us, we'll bring you in. Oh, wow. So we're like, just make a bit of money by bringing people in. But I guess we probably shouldn't talk about that too much. <laughs> that was yeah, a nice uh, scam we had going back in the day, you know? Yeah, affecting a lot of revenue right there. Yes, it wasn't yeah. bad. You know, when, when chicken rolls are two euro, you know, it's, yeah. it, it, you know, it's not too bad. Yeah. So that was, yeah, that was college. And then... And then I called you studied software engineering, right? Yeah, I did. Um, what got you into software engineering? Yeah, so the way it works in, the way it works in, in Trinity is um, you basically do general engineering for two years. Mm -hmm. um, and then you, you, so, like, you specialize, sorry. Um, <clears throat> but I obviously, I mean, the writing was in the wall in terms of where things were going, right? So you can do civil, mechanical, electronic, uh, computer. And I did electronic computer. But, you know, at that point, that was, let's say, I made that choice in 2009. Mm. Think about it this way, 2008, huge crash in property. So, like, civil engineering seemed like a really bad idea. Yeah. Obviously, computers was the way to go, but I never even considered um, any of the other ones because I was heavily interested in just software, where things were going, I was following that industry very, very closely, but mm. was from the outside, really. It wasn't, I was doing some web development, but really not any any deep kind of computer engineering. So I kind of went towards it. I wouldn't say like I loved the subjects, yeah. but at the same time, I just was very passionate that that's where things were going. Mm -hmm. That's where the jobs were. That's where but the how, exciting how you companies. Know that? Like, you know, as somebody who's might be watching this podcast right now, maybe somebody's in like about to go into university or maybe right. in their second year of university and thinking, hey, look, I'm studying civil engineering right now, but I actually am more curious about software engineering. How do you think about like, where did that curiosity come from for even to you for you to consider software engineering? Yeah, well, I guess it went back a while. Like I did like an e-commerce store for mm -hmm. my dad's company way back in the day when mm -hmm. I was like maybe 12 or no, a little bit older, maybe like 16, 17, mm -hmm. because uh, I wanted to digitize that business, which really actually didn't need to be digitized. It was perfectly fine, yeah. but it was just exciting. I was using Magento, so kind of like, you know, drag and drop stuff. I didn't need to code, yeah. but it started to put stuff together. And obviously things were coming online. There was Amazon, there was all that kind of stuff. Even when we were in like first year college, we had what was called Bebo, which is the original, the early version of like Facebook, right? Mm -hmm. And that was like another site that everyone's going towards and yeah. things are moving online. Like I think our generation went from, you know, no phones to 3210s to iPhones yeah. over yeah. like growing up, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So I just was like, this is this is where it's it's headed. Yeah. Um, and was really, really keen to get in there. And as a person who was like working with the kind of like Magentos and like the, the e-commerce store software you can configure, yeah. There was always like, oh, right, plugins in PHP. And I was like, I don't actually know PHP. Yeah. So like, I need to get in and start learning this. Yeah. So that was a big part of it. Um, and then like, you know, I, yeah, like around that, it was like early iPhone times, yeah. right? So, um, and when I started into full-time 
computer engineering, um, you choose your thesis in like third year, mm -hmm. right? And then they give you like a list of stuff and it was just like ridiculously not interesting. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Completely just divorced from the world <laughs> of where everything is. Yeah. Everyone, everyone's over here writing like PHP, JavaScript, HTML, whatever. And then like, they're like, do you want to do like database transaction locking thesis? I'm like, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. Like not a chance. I'm yeah, not yeah. interested. Yeah. I'll use a database, but I'm not building one. Um, mm -hmm. So I went to my um, advisor and I was like, look, you know, iPhone SDK has opened up. It was like SDK 3, I think it was iOS 3 when it opened up the SDK. And then Android was was starting to come on the scene. Google was like, okay, we need to catch up here. Um, so I said, I want to do in a thesis in mobile development. He said, mm -hmm. fine, go and propose something. Mm -hmm. So I looked around and I found that there was there was a way to write code in one language, which was, which was Qt and C++, and actually run it on multiple platforms. So you could write an example app that mm -hmm. would run on your Mac, on a Windows machine, on, on Linux, which was Android. Mm -hmm. Couldn't get it to work on iOS because mm -hmm. it's a bit more locked down. Yep. But that was the kind of the, the proving point of that. It actually ran on Symbian, which is an old operating yeah, system. Yeah, yeah, Nokia, like yeah. N95. Yeah, installing jars yeah. on your phone. Yeah. yeah. So we all, we all downloaded those, those Nokia jar apps and yes. like, would share it on like... <laughs> <laughs> to other people on file shares. Oh, it <laughs> was times. so clunky, like so clunky, like getting into the file system and installing it, like yeah, horrendous Gosh, times. All those different websites, wapking.net, waptrick. You know all, it, yeah, all yeah. Good times. Oh man, that was it. That takes me back. Like so, I was like, this is where it's going. And Symbian was on the way out. Like Nokia was yeah. clearly screwed. Um, and then Microsoft to come in, kind of Trojan horse bid or whatever. Yeah. But it ran on those, it yeah. ran on those phones, were yeah. still out there. Yeah. But um, I remember getting like cracked versions of Garmin and stuff, you know, <laughs> like yeah. here's all the French maps. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't need this. Yeah. Um, so, so well, during that time, so you, this is what, 2009, 2010? That's 2010, yeah. Okay. It was in third year, yeah. So yeah. 2010 was also a big year for you um, because that was the first year you went to Africa. Very good. Very good, yeah. And yeah. Um, why did you, like, what was the first trip you took to Africa? And tell me, like, tell me about, tell me about the first time you came to the African continent. Yeah, so a really good friend of mine um, put together um, a trip for a group of us. And like, I really was just like, in college, whatever, I really had no um, kind of, yeah, I didn't really have like much of a, like a, I wouldn't say it was a big thing I prepared for or whatever else. She said, look, putting this together, lots of great people. Um, I invited some of my friends along as well and um, kind of set off for East Africa in the summer of 2010. And it was like amazing, like completely blew my mind because we went, came out here, came in, flew into Nairobi, uh, spent some time here, went to Dar es Salaam, and then went climb Kilimanjaro in your home country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Which was ridiculously cool. Like, you know, on a trip, sometimes trips kind of, you know, you spend a week and it feels like it flew by. We spent like six days on that mountain and it felt like, you know, a month. It was just incredible. Wow. You know, like you're you're going up to four, you know, 4,000 meters, coming sleeping at 3,000, going, going up again. And like, you know, you're at the top of a snow-capped mountain that is, you know, it's the tallest freestanding mountain in the world. So yeah. you, all around, you just see this thing out of nowhere coming out of the, out of the, out of the ground, unlike, you know, the, the ranges, like the yeah. Alps, right? It's like lots of this. This is just one, one massive, massive mountain. So it was really, really cool. Um, and then we came back down, went to Zanzibar, went to Stonetown, um, and like saw just, you know, so much of East Africa that, that summer that I, I really fell in love with because okay. it was a couple have, of things. I have to ask a very important question on yes. this one, right? Um, Zanzibar or Diani? Answer very carefully. <laughs> oh, so this is like past me and current me, right? So current me can get to Diani in like an hour from here uh, at the drop of a hat from Wilson Airport. Like, so that's the, the one that the currently is the option. But like I spent, I think, two weeks um, on the beach of Zanzibar and it was incredible. Like, you know, so 
I think Zanzibar because it's more exotic. Um, I'm going to give it to you. Yes. I'm going to give it to you. Yes. Yeah. Finally, somebody said the truth on this show. I just hope I'm welcome back to the <laughs> east coast of Kenya now, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no. Um, so they spent a couple of weeks in Zanzibar. So that was the first time you got to the continent. That was East Africa for the summer. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was incredible. For the, the summer. So that was the World Cup. Yes. So the World Cup came to South Africa 2010. So it was amazing because like, I felt like the whole world was looking at us. And even though we're in East Africa watching it like small TVs, yeah. all like, you know, the stuff was going into like the African continent, whatever else. It felt cool to be here wow, for that happening. massive moment for Africa. So that was like really, really cool. And every night we'd be like watching the, the three games or whatever that were on. So that also was just a beautiful coincidence that happened in 2010, you know? So when you came on this first trip to Africa, mm -hmm. what got you curious about the continent? It was a couple of things. Like, so, do you know that you'd move here? Do you know that you'd live here? Do you I know no that you'd idea. ever build a business here? No, I had no idea. I had none. Like, genuinely, I was like, this is an amazing... What I had said coming back was like, I'm going back here like next summer or whatever. Like, you do in these things, right? Like, yeah. I'm coming back. That was incredible. There's so much more to see. Um, you're scratching the surface of a few things. And then, like, life comes along and you go back to college and you're doing whatever. You know, going to finally, I think it was that year. So, th the next year I didn't come back or whatever. But... It, it was in the back of my mind and you know from time to time I had friends like oh I went kite surfing in, in like Tanzania or whatever else and you're kind of like oh god I gotta get back down there again it would be really really cool so um, but no that was it for a while um, but the thing that I, I think that really I thought was different here than a lot of places was number one it was um, just like the, the culture there was just so much culture in terms of like how far it goes back and how many different traditions languages you know, tribes, like all this stuff that people tell you really openly. They're like, where, like, what's your background? And they'll tell you like, here's where I'm from. Here's my background. We're from like around Mount Kenya, whatever else. And this is my mother tongue and whatever else. And you just learn all this stuff that really I had no idea about, right? Um, and then there was also like, in some ways, kind of like Ireland, I think people say this, like everyone's very, very friendly. Mm. Like I remember, this is more recent history, but like coming through the airport and like the cleaners just like, Welcome to Kenya. I'm like, you know what I mean? The guy cleaning yeah. up in the airport. It's yeah, like yeah. that kind of vibe of people are just happy that you're coming here. Yeah, yeah. It's really, really cool. It's really, really welcoming. Mm. Where it's not every country is like that. You come mm. in and you feel like people are really happy to have you here. Yeah. I mean, then just like the natural beauty. Mm. You know, um, you can go from like from where we are today. Yeah. In an hour, you could be in like the Maasai Mara. You could be on the coast. You know, you could be, you know, in Kilimanjaro. Like, you know, there's just this diversity of, of things and natural beauty where it's like mm. volcanic mountains, whether it's, um, beautiful oceans so like that is something that i think is quite unique to here and it's yeah it's relatively like i'm finding new places every month that i go to something that oh. i've never been to before oh. it's a really vast mm -hmm. country um and even just east africa there's so much to see here yeah. that is unlike i think other places where it's really well trodden mm. everywhere is known and and um understood like there's obviously places mm -hmm. that are that are known like masamara whatever else yeah. the coast but then there's places like you know you've I was at Lake Baringo two weeks ago, mm -hmm. right? Co covered in flamingos, wow. really cool place. Never heard of it in my life. Yeah. And then like, we're there for a weekend wow. and it was like, you know, I'm still yeah. discovering that stuff all the time. Yeah. So I think that's what really, um, I found really exciting and interesting that you can, you can kind of go and explore this entire beautiful part of the world, you know? So back to like your journey. So after uni, um, you co-founded a company. Um, yeah. And Buzz, your third company. Third company, and, yeah. And then you went to the United States um, to be a CTO of a company there. Yeah. And couldn't get a visa, if, if I understand correctly, to, yeah. to work. Um, is that correct? 
Exactly, yeah. So because I did that project in college, I got into mobile development then. Okay. Right. So then I started a company doing mobile development. Mm -hmm. Very simpler times, not venture-backed. Yeah, yeah. It, it made profit straight away, yeah. like lots of things we've never heard of before. Yeah. Right? It's just like on month one because it was just, you know, um, selling apps into companies around Dublin, right? Yeah, yeah. So, and this is, you know, one of the big four mm -hmm. uh, law firms had us mm -hmm. do like their college recruitment app. We had a, a prototype of like the largest rugby app in Europe. We mm -hmm. built that. Wow. Um, and we did some other really cool projects. We stuck a webcam in a golf course wow. and made an app for them. Lots of stuff we were trying. Mm -hmm. um, and then, but like we were getting paid for it and it was good money at the time, right? right. Especially in college. You're yeah. like, you know, that any kind of money is fantastic, you know? So, so the lesson here is make sure you're profitable from day zero. <laughs> yeah, pay yourself zero and yeah. then just get money coming in. Yeah. So that was really, really cool. And yeah. it, was, it was nice because I didn't have to think about coming out of college. Yeah. I didn't think about getting a job. It okay. was just like, okay, now yeah. I have this thing. But because at the time, there's not a lot of people doing mobile development in Dublin, right? Yeah. It's not, it was early days. This is 2011, right? Yeah. It's still early generally. Um, so people knew that I was like the mobile apps guy, you yeah. know? Okay. okay. So then a friend um, from college, mm -hmm. um, a guy called Alex, mm -hmm. he basically called me up one day and said, mm -hmm. This is no joke. I think this is fine for me to say this, but like, <laughs> he's like, I've been accepted into an accelerator in the US, in New York. Um, product's great. Um, really cool idea. They, they love this. I've no engineer. I can't build this. Uh -huh. <laughs> and he's in, like, he's there, like, he's looking for visas and stuff. And he goes, No way he's going to be able to build this product. So yeah. he's like, I'm, You're going to have to come with us to uh, New York. And I was like, Fine. But like, obviously, running this company. So yeah. I'm like, I'll go with you for like the 10 week program. Okay. It was like a, like a tech stars, whatever. It was okay. run by General Electric and OMD. So okay. like, you're like, This is cool. This is pretty prestigious. Yeah. You know, working out of, you know, lower Broadway in yeah. the middle of Manhattan, like, sounds pretty cool. And yeah. they're going to pay us, which sounded like good money at the time. When I got there, it was realized it was terrible. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. Um, that doesn't York prices are not. <laughs> didn't not get us very far. <laughs> yeah. Did not. So, um, I said, I said, fine, I'll, I'll go for it. But I was like, I'm coming back to you know to Dublin in August. Yeah. Um, I'll be back. I'll just do my ten weeks. Yeah. I did this accelerator, mm -hmm. um, but because like they're so well connected, like GE and OMD, it's OMD is like a massive uh, advertiser, mm -hmm. um, like agency. Yeah. They basically had Dennis Crowley, the guy who started Foursquare, mm -hmm. and this is like huge in like 2012, right? It's like you're the mayor of. Remember all this? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and then they Jack Dorsey came in. Yeah. Like a room of. 20 of us and he spent like three hours with us like wow. looking at our apps and like commenting on the design i'm like this wow. is kind of ridiculous wow. um and as a person who's like at home reading TechCrunch, like these things are a million miles from yeah. from where i so am people I'm used like, to read about online now totally. they're sitting in front of you like yeah. going through your app and giving you feedback it's ridiculous yeah. completely ridiculous do you think that exposure was important for you um it definitely made me want to i guess break out of what i was doing in a way yeah. and and go closer to somewhere where there was things it felt like, okay, now I'm not the only person in the room mm. who's making mobile apps, mm -hmm. right? Now everyone is. And now I'm talking to these things. So it definitely made me want to break out of the kind of the bubble I was in into something bigger. Yeah. Definitely. I just was like, I didn't know you could go and meet these people and they're so approachable. They're yeah. like, give me a text if you want to talk about your design updates, whatever. Yeah. Kind of crazy. Yeah. So definitely that opened my mind quite a lot. Um, so that was why I stayed there afterwards. Yeah. Right. I was like, okay, it was August. I'm like, I should really stick around here. We came second in that accelerator, second mm -hmm. to Harvard. So not bad for yeah, yeah. the only Irish college in it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we were like, shout okay. Out yeah, shout <laughs> out to Trinity. <laughs> so we came second that and definitely you're like, yeah. you're hyped. But then honestly, crash right back down to earth afterwards. Because mm. you, you're in this bubble. It's like you're back in school, right? Yeah, yeah. You're like, everyone's like, do your 
work your elevator pitch. Like, you know, let's get your logo right. And like, everything's yeah. beautiful. You know this, right? You're yeah. in the accelerator. Everything's fantastic, right? Yeah. And then you like slam into the real world. Yeah. And you're like, okay, well, we need, you know, we need money. So I'm like, a guy, a person was offering us money. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're like, great, let's, let's take on that money. And then we're like, okay, um, got to incorporate. We got to do lots of things. Then we're like, the visa thing came up. Mm. We're like, oh, right. Well, let's get visas. Let's like sponsor ourselves. We, yeah. we can raise some money. And they're like, no, that just doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. You Not need a, a business <laughs> a with yeah. X number of employees, X yeah. number of IRS <laughs> returns and whatever. Um, so then kind of realized that I would have to go and get a real job for the first time. Mm-hmm. So um, I went in, <clears throat> did some interviews and I was very fortunate to get a job that uh, right away got me like a H1B, like a three-year visa. Oh, wow. Because I was on like this one-year thing. So like clock was ticking. Yeah. yeah. And uh, they got me a... Uh, a visa, which was amazing. Yeah. That's the the lucky thing about doing like engineering was it wasn't hard to to go in and get a job quite quickly because yeah. it's a very like it's a hard skill. So you can yeah. just like I can do this for you or whatever else. So luckily yeah. there was jobs there um, and they got the visa. So that kind of got me on the path of going towards like the next thing. Yeah. Wow. And so let's fast forward to to where we are today. So you went to another company. Um, mm-hmm. You know, were there, and then talk to me about founding Umba. Where yeah. did that start from? <clears throat> so, like you, know, you were in the states, and like randomly you decide, like, okay, well, I'm going to start this company in Kenya. Like, yeah. how does that just randomly pop up for you? Yeah. So, because of the circumstance, I ended up working for another company, right? A startup. I joined right after their Series A. They raised like 10 million, mm-hmm. but that was never my intention, right? Started a company in Dublin, started a company coming to New York, and then I, I was like, oh, that's what I'll do. I'll run companies like CTO, or whatever. Yeah. And then, you know, you like working a normal job. Yeah. But the visa thing does kind of lock you in. Yeah. You're in for three years, and then I was like, I need to get a I realized you got to get a green card to start a company. Yeah. So I was like, I got to, mm. I got to do my time here. Yeah. Right. Which was fine. I was enjoying it. I was learning a lot. Um, it's because I came in as like a, a solo engineer, yeah. right? Like a, a hacker, like you do everything yourself. You don't yeah. work with other people. Just like slap it together. I'm sure if you yeah. saw my code in 2012, you'd be like, Whoa. Yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. So like um, working with a team. Yeah. So I came in as like individual contributor to a company called Canary. Yeah. We were like the original version of like the ring, like the doorbell cams and the, the home security cams. I see. So when I got there, they, they didn't tell me that they couldn't get it to set up mm. and they basically hired me to figure it out because it was like, how do I get the Wi-Fi details from like the phone yeah. to this device yeah. that like the Bluetooth chip isn't working on. Yeah. So we sent it across an audio cable, long story short. <laughs> but um, So I went as an individual engineer and like I learned a lot and luckily I did a couple of projects that were quite, were actually quite good. We put a lot of time into it. I ended up getting two patents with the US Patent Office oh. as like the primary inventor, which was really, really cool because yeah. it's expensive to do that. Yeah. But they wanted patents and they were happy to have me as the primary inventor. So that was like pretty cool. And then in classic startup land, I joined at like 30 people. My boss, who was like head of product and then there was another engineering person, she left. And mm-hmm. then they were like, well, you seem to be quite proactive in the like managing, organizing things. Yeah. Do you want to just like take her job? And then like, just these kind of things happen and they ended up running their engineering team. Okay. Which is kind of ridiculous. I'm like, you know, 27, I'm managing like yeah. 30 people. Wow. And I'm like myself com- feeling like complete, like, uh, yeah. what's they call that again? What's the- Imposter syndrome. That's exactly what I had. Yeah. I'd massively, but then over time you kind of grow into it. Um, but you're kind of waiting for like, when's the gig up? Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. When's a real person going to come in and yeah. do this? <laughs> like, no, yeah. There's no real person coming into you. <laughs> it's still me. So um, I did that for, I guess yeah. it was like two years and then the green yeah. card's coming. Um, but the cool thing about it was we were venture back, so we did there was a Series A, and then we did Series B and C. Okay. So I helped them because I was running engineering, it's also the data team and the analytics team, yeah. and I was big on like SQL and reporting all that kind of stuff. And they weren't very good at that, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Like every time a board meeting came along, yeah, it was like find CSVs with sales numbers, find yeah. this, and it was a mess. Like just like 
join it all and do a report. And I'm like, we should invest in a way to do this easier. And they're like, no, 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 we're fine. Back to work. And then yeah. three months later, same problem. Same thing, yeah. Yeah. But um, learned a lot about reporting to the boards. We had Coastal Ventures and Two Sigma, like pretty mm -hmm. big investors. We raised kind of 100 million over the time I was there. Wow. So like it's things are getting serious. I'm in the board meetings kind of reporting on data and figures and whatever else. And we're selling in Best Buy. We're selling in like yeah. big ticket stores and like it's a pretty big business. Um, so I learned a lot about the VC game. We grew to 120 employees, but then also I saw the downsides. Hardware startups became less cool yeah. as things happen in, in these, mm -hmm. in VC. GoPro and IPO didn't work out so well. People realized like hardware buying cycles mm -hmm. are not iPhone level where you buy once a year. Yeah. You buy a GoPro once every five years or once ever. Yeah. Same with our product. You buy it mm -hmm. once. So like VCs realized that and then it was kind of like, oh, it's kind of harder to raise money now. Mm -hmm. um, and then they were struggling, um, but we stabilized and built a subscription model and it all worked. Mm -hmm. um, that goes to say that to get us to where we are now, yeah. um, green car was coming in hot and fast and I was like, brilliant. Like this is, I can kind of go and do my next thing. And I was, I was, um, you're looking at a couple of different things. I had done a couple of side projects over the year, built a Spotify alarm clock. That was my, <laughs> that was the my first one that I really wanted to to scale, but like harder businesses are tricky. I wouldn't do it. Um, and a couple other software kind of side projects along the way while I was working that job. So you got this green card, you were working in the US, you did a bunch of side projects and what got you to go to the African continent now again uh, to now build a company for the first time? Yeah, so it was interesting. It definitely was like really keen to go and build a business now. And I felt like I'd gone from like really hacker kind of small company person to like managing a big team, like having to do the one-on-ones, having to go to VCs and like raise money. I felt like, you know, I could, I could have a good go at this. Like I, some parts that of that company were, were really well run, but some parts I was like, we could be much better. Yeah. Like, so I feel like I could, I could do something now and I've learned a hell of a lot over, over that four years. Um, and then I just got really lucky. Uh, my co-founder was, was living in East Africa um, and it was working for a payments business. And then was just like, there's, there's a lot of interesting stuff happening here in payments, in, um, in banking, in, in fintech. And I was fortunate that when I was here in 2010 and Pesa was like three years old. Mm. Right. So, but it was still ubiquitous. Like, yeah. Even 2010, everyone's using M-Pesa. Yeah. Right. Um, so I, I remember being impressed of like paying like, you know, a Maasai guy in like full tribal wear, like paying him over and pay I'm like, this is so interesting. Yeah. We're years away from this. Tech space, USS. In Ireland. Yeah. 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 3210, yeah. you know, not smartphones. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, everything's booming. Smartphone adoption's on the rise. Mm. That was the big thing, right? I think at the time it was like 30% going towards 50. We're at like 65 now, mm -hmm. right? So that was, that's the unlock. Cause I'm not a yeah. 3210 guy. Like I don't yeah. know how to build those kind of apps. Like yeah. I'm in the smartphone world. Yeah. So that's our unlock to the, to the kind of population. And then for me, it was like, yeah, I could do something in the US. Uh, sure. Like build some FinTech thing that makes a certain set of people's financial lives like a certain bit better, like 5% better, right? 5% mm -hmm. of people make their lives like 5% better or go big to a place that has like a 40% unbanked population. Mm -hmm. And like a lot of people are relying just on a PESA and haven't got a, a savings account or like a high interest, like a high interest savings account or mm -hmm. are paying lots of on like high interest rates or whatever else. Mm -hmm come to a market and make a big impact. Mm -hmm. Like look at what New Bank did in Brazil. Mm -hmm. Like one of the, it's one of the top four banks now. It's, it's a public company. They came into a high interest rate environment and made a better service. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, do something minorly impactful in the US or do something big here yeah. with a big vision because there's not as much happening yeah. here. Kenya specifically with the, the licensing environment so tough. Yeah. There aren't digital banks here. Like Nigeria is a bit easier. 
Um, so that was it. It was like, all right, uh, this is this is perfect. So just got got to work, got started building. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and the nice thing is, like you know, <clears throat> as an engineer, it's it's great because if I go to an investor, right, and I'm an Irish person, I'm like, I'm going to build a business in Kenya. They're like, probably not, mate. Probably not going to happen. <laughs> I don't see it. So the nice thing was that that you know could build a business that had a couple of thousand customers, had had data. I was just like, um. Like we were putting in our own money. So you've talked about this whole thing of, you know, across African continent, you have this massive op opportunity to make a large impact with what you're doing in mm -hmm. the financial services space and the impact you want to create, especially um, within enabling uh, and, and economically empowering folks uh, mm -hmm. across the continent. Uh, you talked about the example of Newbank, what they did in Brazil uh, at a large scale, and now they're publicly listed. And tell me about as you know, you're toying, you're probably toying around all these different ideas in your head. And probably half the people in your head are like, as you said, they're like, oh, an Irish guy building this company in Kenya, probably not, mate. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know? yeah. <laughs> so how did you get to the, the stage where like, you know what, like, we'll figure this out. You know, I, I'm, I, I want to understand this problem better. And, and what advice would you have for people who are listening who might want to quit their current job and start a company, but will tell you like, hey, Tenen, I don't have the money. I don't have the time. Like, I don't have the ability to do that today. And I'm tied into this job because I need to take care of my family. Um, while I want, I'm passionate about fintech as well yeah. in, you know, another country in, in Malawi, let's say, and I don't have the ability to just go back really quickly and, and figure it out. Yeah. And look, that's, yeah, that's, it's a tricky question, right? Because I, I get that there is the conflict of there's the safety net mm -hmm. and the responsibilities you have in your life that you have to support. And then there's the thing you really want to do. And, you know, at that time, you know, it was, it was I guess I was fortunate in the way where, you know, I had, I mean, everyone's got time, right, to, to do a bit of, you know, you can, you can research so this is tricky to get the business started, but to get the passion that there's something there. Mm -hmm. And for us, it was like, okay, uh, smartphone penetration is growing very, very quickly. Android devices have gone down to like $20 in the second-hand market. This is getting quite affordable. The numbers are going up. A lot of numbers just publicly available. And now, like, in the world of ChatGPT, like, the, the world's your oyster in many ways, mm -hmm. right? So that's probably gotten easier. Um, and just, just getting conviction on, like, first principles thinking, right? So it's the, the current... Banks are, I would, I would argue, adopting a, a strategy of um, digging up landlines. Right, that's the way I see it. If you're a family bank and you're opening ten branches next year, I feel like you're a phone company digging up landlines, and you should be building cell towers, right? Because uh, I just don't, I fundamentally don't think that Africa's going to mm. have like uh, hundred thousand branches across the continent yeah. in the next in the next ten years. No one does. Yeah. But banks are doing that as a strategy. Yeah. Um, and our our vision was that the smartphones they unlock for everyone. It starts with, um, you know, upper class, upper middle class, middle class, and it just works its way down like every mm -hmm. technology, mm -hmm. right? You've got smartphones being built in Kenya as of this year. Yeah. You know what I mean? Things are getting cheaper. They always are. Mm -hmm. And the numbers are going up in your favor. And we did have people saying, well, you know, um, what about the other 70% at the time? It's like, yeah, we'll get there, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Let's build for the first and then we'll, we'll work our way along. Let the technology wave happen. Um, so yeah, that was, that was it. And, and in terms of, Kenya, um, there's an interesting he thing here about uh, microfinance banks, right? So, and this is all publicly available information. It's yeah. on the Central Bank website. There's 14 microfinance bank licenses. Mm -hmm. In Nigeria, they're about 650. They got rid of like 100 earlier in the year, but like there's yeah. still hundreds. So they can be gotten, but in Kenya, it's very, very difficult. Mm -hmm. um, so there's also this, this world of like, that's why Kenya is quite underserved compared to Nigeria um, because it has this licensing regime which is very, very strict. Mm. So there, there's obviously a really, really big opportunity here, which... Yeah. Turned out to be a positive and a negative, as we found out as we had got into yeah. getting a license. But 
those things um, gave me conviction. I think it, I think it's got to be first principles. Like, do you believe in five years there'll be a large or many large digital banks in Kenya? Do you believe that it'll be the incumbents? Mm -hmm. You know, is it going to be KCB have a digital arm that really, really works? Or is it more likely to be like Tinkoff or Nubank or Chime or Revolut or Monzo around 26? There's a list of those. Mm -hmm. And fundamentally believes that it would be someone new to come in mm -hmm. because the systems that those banks are using are a disaster. Mm -hmm. It's harder, I'd say, to fix what they're doing than it is to build what we're doing. Because mm. it's, you know what it's like when data yeah. is everywhere, it's a mess. Yeah. Um, 24 different systems aren't speaking to each other. Yeah. Like, I'd much rather start from the start. Yeah. Um, so that was just a fundamental belief. And if you're a founder or you're considering being a founder or you're pivoting or whatever it is, mm -hmm. um, if you have the fundamental belief that things will be, some of this is obvious, yeah. like, Mm. Will a digital bank be big in 10 years? Yeah. Like, mm. So it's like, do you have a belief that people, um, you can get behind and believe in, and then you can have others get behind? Because often when you're a founder, you've got a vision. You're not just pitching to investors. You're pitching sometimes starting off to your friends and family if you're quitting a job. Mm -hmm. You're actually telling like the parents or whatever, like, everyone, like you got a good job. Like this, yeah. is, this is, things are going good. Like you shouldn't leave that. Um, then it becomes... Uh, early employees or co-founders. That's the next person you're selling to. Mm -hmm. And you're selling possibly to investors or customers next. Mm -hmm. Depends on which way you go about it. Mm -hmm. But you're actually, the conviction you've built internally, you actually have to find also a way to share that and have people get behind that. Because th there's a lot of contrarian views, you know, that often don't get adoption because they're a little bit too contrarian or the person cannot effectively get the, everyone yeah. else to follow along that view. So um, that's kind of the second part after you've done the, the research and the work is the conviction. Because like you said, I'm raising a family, let's say, or whatever else. Mm -hmm. Your first sale is probably your spouse yeah. or, you know, your kids or whatever else. That's the first sale yeah. to convince them there's a good idea. Yeah. Um, you know, so you've got to have, I think, a, a large amount of conviction. Yeah. And I think as you, as your responsibilities life grow, yeah. your conviction needs to grow. Yeah. You can have a small amount of conviction at 21 and do something probably. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And like, oh, it's I just finished whatever, I'm going to start this. Yeah. But your actually conviction probably has to grow as time goes on. So you came first to Kenya. Yeah. Okay. And you said, okay, there's 14 microfinance uh, bank licenses issued here in, in Nairobi, uh, in Kenya, and you try to get one. I very naively thought we'd be the 15th. Yeah. <laughs> and then what happened? <laughs> oh, Lord. This is like probably the worst, probably the worst year of the business, I would say. Um, 2020. Right. So COVID happened, obviously. That was a whole, yeah. that was a whole thing that was going on. Um, we were in the, so take a step back, built the platform. Um, got the platform live. And at this point, it was uh, an app uh, and a web-based service or just an app-based service? Uh, app. Okay. And right, take a step back as well. We're like credit-led neobank is what makes sense. Okay. You've got neobanks like Revolut in Europe that are on like the debit side, like they're doing payments or whatever. You just need a lot of investors to give you a lot of money to do that kind of business. It's low revenue, but it's like you're getting a lot of, you know, customers in a very bullish market so they could do that. But we felt that the emerging market model was needed more, like the new bank model or Tinkoff. Um, so you got to start with big revenue and ability to get profitable because I think the bar is higher for us here. Yeah. You know, in terms of raising money, yeah. you've got to like have a pretty good business going. So did credit first. Credit's also the easiest thing to get licensed for. Think about it this way, right? If I'm a central bank and let's say I'm a credit provider, I lend money. If I've got a business, essentially no one cares. Like the loans are probably kept or whatever. Yeah. If you're holding deposits, you've got a business that's a huge problem for the government and the central bank. Yeah. Like, you know, let's say a couple of million dollars is gone, like FTX style. They don't want that, so the license bar is really, really high. Yeah. So we started the credit business very easily, like 
built the platform, registered the business, got the Safaricom tills, got the SMS stuff going, you know, all that stuff. Got it running, had a couple of couple of thousand customers in Kenya, had raised money. We raised money, we're like, okay, we've proven that credit can work. We're now bringing on the rest of the digital banking, savings, deposits, the whole thing you'd expect from a digital bank. And then just ran headfirst into like regulation, mm -hmm. you know, as I'm sure you've got like yeah, 4,000 licenses. Yeah, so uh, yeah. <laughs> I wish. you know yeah. this, this world. Yeah. Like, so um, we had to, yeah, we were like, okay, we'll just um, do a partnership. Yeah, that's how you do it. Yeah. Just get a, Easy, get just a get a, a quick bank really quickly to get like give you yeah. a partnership. Yeah. That's it, we'll just sit on top of your license and we'll do our thing and we'll, you can hold our deposits and pay us money for them. And even like, yeah. simple on paper, but you know, sometimes you don't know until you don't know. And like you get, the first conversation is always positive, mm. I found. We tried it with three banks here, four maybe. Probably probably eight, I'd say, first conversations, yeah. four like seriously tried. Mm. And one that was really, you know, going for it. So 2020 happened, already things were kind of tricky in the credit space yeah. because you got COVID happening. No one knows what way is up. Whoever those eight banks were, you made a big mistake. <laughs> but yeah, like, you know, yeah, so go on. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> we're coming for you though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I, I didn't say you were coming for it, so you can come for it. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, it's like we raised money, which is yeah. great, and we actually raised money like just as COVID had started hitting. Okay. which is so fortunate. They did a seed round, yeah. literally, I think it was like March like 18th. Mm -hmm. It was a Friday evening at 5 p.m. Got an email, like yeah. we're in for like an X amount, round was closed, and yeah. I was like, who the hell is backing the company right now? Like, yeah. they've just like stopped the world, yeah. But luckily, we did, like, great. Digital Bank Kenya, super simple. Everyone agrees, high level makes sense. Yeah. The, the guy, you know, they're building a business that's working, they're making money, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then started on the path of licensing. And like I say, got down to one partnership, one that almost worked, didn't work. Second one was looking good, like a bank that was here, not a, not a big one, like a medium sized bank. And it was just, there was no urgency. As, as he's talking about this, it's, giving me many, many, many flashbacks because we as Nala went to so many different banks, begging banks to work with us. And it was that first meeting, everyone was like, oh yeah, sounds amazing, let's do yeah. this, whatever. And then, you know, it falls apart, even though you chase them. I've been to so many banks in East Tanzania, Kenya, Uganda, Rwanda, Ghana, like, you know, we've spent so many hours trying to find these partnerships and very similar experience. And I think it's this experience that many fintech companies have. So it's not abnormal. Yeah, oh, I'd say, I think it's so common. Yeah. I think it's so, so uh, common. Unfortunately too common. <clears throat> yeah, 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 it is, it is. Um, and we, yeah, you, we're, like the BD people on, at the front are like, let's do it. Yeah. They're enthusiastic people, they're customer facing, yeah. customers being us. And then they run into the, like the, you know, the compliance department and they're yeah. not customer facing and they're not really up for this. And their bonus at the end of the year is not even tied with like, oh, enabling another, another fintech company. So they're not incentivized to help you build and like, hey, look, is this going to make me look good at the organization? No. So like, why yeah. am I trying to go above and beyond my own? Like, I think many people are well-intentioned to want to support a lot of fintech and innovation at the banks. I think the challenge is the bank's incentives might not be aligned that, to enable that. And I think that's a huge problem because on the show, we talk about building the African continent, right? Yeah. And um, what things, if you're a banker watching this, I think you have massive influence to enable, like here you have two companies that move a lot of money within the region. And neither of us, like have a lot, both of us have struggled massively with bank partnerships. And I think that's, if you work at a bank or know somebody who works at a bank quite senior, please make technology priority, especially becoming an able environment for a lot of tech companies to build on top. Sorry, yeah. back to back to your... Which, by yeah. the way, long term, I think is what we, we may end up doing. Yeah. If it's so hard to get in here and the licenses are so limited that yeah. we actually might do, you know, open up our 
like what Starling do in the UK, open yeah. up our APIs for everyone. Yeah. Because it's goddamn tricky. I know we've talked about that too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So, yeah, look, that was, that was 20, 2020. It was all very enthusiastic at the start. We're building, you know, we're being ready. We're, we've got like the product built yeah. that can hold deposits, that can do savings, fixed deposits. So we're busy, but then it's kind of getting into like, I remember it was August. Um, and just the calls with, with the bank and their CFO and everything were always good, but it was, it wasn't moving. <clears throat> and we were really getting a bit worried. Um, by the way, August 2021 was when we first met. And then we yeah. were going through our massive pivot at that yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, and we were sitting down and we met and caught, caught up. But he was going through this. I was going through this. I was like, yo. It's crazy, Like, man. I'm not sure how we'll raise money. Like, we yeah. didn't have money. <laughs> yeah. It was so crazy. And yeah. then I remember we just had to, we took a week um, because I was starting to lose faith. And what I guess what maybe isn't obvious for the audience is, you know, you've raised your seed round. Yeah. So you now have employees. Mm. You're now paying people. Mm. Every mm-hmm. month and there's and no money coming in. Right. And your ability to make money is is not there. So we have a credit business, but like it's COVID, so it's really tricky to try and scale that. We need to show progress in this bank thing. And we're having the board meeting. It's like, how's that going? And I just got to be honest, I'm like, not very good. Mm. I, I can't talk to the central bank because you need to be a registered entity to do that. So there's like a, there's a wall between us and that's the this bank and they have no urgency. Yeah. Right? One guy does, but like yeah. the rest of the bank don't. And we had to sit down for a week and I remember there was a lot of conflicting opinions. Um, and I was definitely firmly on, like, I don't see this happening this side of this side of Christmas. You know, I don't see it. Um, I feel like every month it's going to be the same thing. And we looked at, okay, do we, do we hack around it? Do we like, do we just take a load of risk and just launch in Kenya with a, a thing that holds deposits and hope for the best? And that's a bad idea. People do that yeah. all the time. And yeah. that was, it's a temptation in yeah. fintech, move fast, break things, but in banking, it's probably not a great idea. People have done it and, and it's not worked out very well, especially yeah. here. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, we debated what we do. And it was really, really tough because a lot of people said, let's hang in there and let's do it. And it was it was really like a week. And it's rarely we, we do that. Like we down tools for a week and sit down mm. and try and figure it out. And people are passionate. So like some people are saying like, this is what we came to do. We're building a digital bank for Kenya. We're going to have to do it. But then there's the real world, which is like, we're going to have to raise again at some time soon. We're going to need revenue that's growing. And we, we are setting out and we've, we want to build a digital bank for Africa. Mm-hmm. Now, this is our first market, but it was always designed to be pan-African. Yeah, yeah. Like on the first line of code I wrote was multi-currency, yeah. right? It could do, um, you know, could handle different rails. It was built to be modular, right? Yeah. So it's like, we always plan on going more than one market. Yeah. So like, we got to take a look at some of the markets here. Mm. Um, and like, the more we talk to our lawyers, we're learning like Kenya is just heavily, heavily regulated. And just to give you the context, like I mentioned, there's 14 microfinance bank licenses. They haven't issued a new one in a long time. We applied for a license as well in parallel. We mm. tried to get a license. Mm. So we're like, partnership and license are both moving. But then they're like, there's been no license here for 10 years. Like, you're not getting one. Wow. Yeah. So anyway, we get through it. And I'm... Wait, you get through it? You didn't get the license in Kenya no, at that time. No, no, no. But, we, but you're like, have to make this hard decision on what you guys yeah, are doing now. And there's sleepless nights. And we're like, well, I don't know what we're doing here. We've raised money. We've made a lot of promises. And then you're, you're paying people salaries yeah. here. And yeah. there's no customers. And right. there's no revenue coming to the business. And you've yeah. got to make this hard call as a CEO. Yes. And some people in the business who are working on the on the product are like, things are great. Building this bank. Like, you know, like, over here, things are... I'm smiling. I smile on my face. We're walking out. Like, everything's great. But in that room... God, it's like, it's tense. You know, it's just really hard to figure it out. So we basically had to make a really, um, we had to make a tough decision where we just called it on the Kenya thing and said, what we're doing right now, well, it's certainly not going to get us where we need to be um, to get our next round done, to, to, to keep building momentum, to be able to like realize our vision. This is the like the hole we die in, right? If we, if we keep waiting around for this. 
So what we did was we, we uh, diligenced a number of countries, went to our lawyers, got our teams to start looking at, you know, um, multiple markets, suitability, licensing regimes, um, ability to operate, you know, um, legal entity set up, just a number of factors. And then stuff like, you know, GDP, GDP per capita, et cetera, et cetera. Did a lot of places, looked at Tanzania, um, looked yeah. at Uganda, looked at many, many countries. Yeah. And then um, because of the amount of fintech innovation happening in Nigeria, it became the very clear, clear winner for where we needed to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was pretty amazing effort from the team, I have to say. Um, I got back into programming again. <laughs> I was like, we're doing this. Um, we got the legal set up. We got partnerships in place. We got our SMS going. We like we got lucky in some places, like Small Identity, who are good friends of ours and they're a KYC partner are in both markets. You mm-hmm. get a couple of things go your way. Yeah. Um, so like our way to create an account was the same. Yeah. Um, and we just started working on all this stuff, got our infrastructure together and just, could you think about it, right? The core banking systems here, but the on-ramps and off-ramps could be M-Pesa, could be debit cards, yeah. could be Nigerian banking switch. Yeah. So we just were like, okay, it's like September, August made a decision. September, it's like, let's put the foot in the gas. Let's build this thing. As fast as possible. On-ramps, on off-ramps, KYC, yeah. yep. um, SMS, whatever, um, make it all work, fork the marketing stuff, fork a lot of things, right? And then we got live in, in Nigeria, like I'd say it was like the 3rd of January. It was wow. a long Christmas, yeah. Wow, that's um, so impressive. So you made this hard call to, all right, let's pause on Kenya. We can't get this license. It's really frustrating. Banks aren't helping us. Now let's go to Nigeria. Mm-hmm. How did that turn out for you? Yeah, like I said, I mean, the the team was just like, okay, we get it. And there was that urgency mm. because it's already, we're, we're late into, we're August, September, 2020. Mm. So yeah, they, they were amazing. We all just got into it. Like there's so many things you got to do. It's yeah. ridiculous. And then yeah, J- Jan, 2021, we're like, you mean? Jan, 21. Okay, so it's okay. 2020 oh, that okay. all these okay, yeah. decisions all right, happened. Right, right, right. So like you got the whole COVID backdrop yeah. as well, yeah. which, you know, what's going on. And then, um, yeah, we were, we got into the market. The software worked, a couple of teething issues, obviously at the start and got, got active, got operating. And it was like, mm. from there it was, it was, you know, it was booming, you know, mm. which is amazing. It, it validated that customers wanted the full experience. Mm-hmm. There had been lenders that had come before. Yeah. Um, there had been savings apps, but it was yeah. like, bring it all together. What are some of the biggest challenges about lending in Nigeria? Um, absence of data, uh, thin credit files, um, identifications, tricky. Identification is tricky here as well. There's issues with images in the national database. Um, fraud, like every fintech business, you know. Um, yeah, it's 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 challenging. You know, it's it's not. <clears throat> you're not just coming to a place where everything's set up for you, and you just kind of like it's. You're a marketing company. Mm-hmm. Like you're building a lot of tech. You're, like I've worked mm-hmm. on anti-fraud stuff myself of stuff that's come in mm-hmm. that we've had to like to fix. So like there are definitely are headwinds. Um, you know, but ultimately at the same time there's a market there that really wants your product. What do you think you guys have done better in Nigeria than other, let's say, Nigerian fintech companies? Um, I think we've executed well. I think we've built a good product. And, you know, I think the, the market's so big as well. I think sometimes we'll talk to people and they go, oh, there's there's other digital banks, right? But I just worry about keeping our customers happy, mm. making our product better all the time. And honestly, that like it's very freeing. And as long as you're growing and you're not missing the future, you've not missed something big, then you keep your customers happy and build with them. It's worked, as I'm sure you know. So we don't worry so much about that. And, and ultimately, we think that we should all be able to win and that there'll be a few legacy banks that will lose. So our competition isn't even the others. It's actually 
um, larger banks that you know make you come into the branch and sign 20 forms or whatever. So ultimately, I think there's a lot of winners here. Um, and the other thing about it is as well, what's really important for us and it's always been what we've built for is just being pan-African. Mm. You know, we, we fundamentally believe that if we can do it right mm -hmm. in a market, we should do it right in a couple of markets. Not that there aren't major differences. Mm -hmm. Think about Nigeria, a lot of cash, a lot of cards, a lot of bank transfers. Mm -hmm. Kenya has very little of all those three things. Mm -hmm. All in pesa pretty much. Um, you know, mo you see most places aren't accepting cash, yeah. right? So that's what you're building for. So it is a, it's a mindset shift. People think about things differently. They kind of treat and pace as a bank account in a way. But then we've got to educate them that actually uh, the interest rates are really high on those loans and the interest rates are really low on those savings accounts. So you should come bank with us. Use it as a payment mechanism for sure. But uh, just understanding that there's there's better alternatives out there. But yeah, um, I, I think that's the thing. We're we're not taking on each other in many ways. We're where there'll be a couple of winners in the banking space mm -hmm. and you'll end up with publicly, publicly listed banks mm -hmm. that some of them are less than 10 years old and some of them are first bank that are hundred and something years old, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, like focus, just keep your customers happy. Yeah. So from Nigeria, you guys finally made it full circle and back to Kenya. We did. And I saw yeah. the news, you guys bought 51% or majority stakeholder. 66%. 66%. Okay, 66.6% yes. Yes. Uh, stake in Daraja, uh, microfinance yeah. bank here yeah. in Kenya. Yes. How did that come about? I mean, by the way, we're sitting with a microfinance bank CEO over here. So <laughs> if you want to loan, feel free to email him after you sign up for Umba and uh, use Umba. Uh, but yeah. Yes. And if you're an SME, we do payroll, we do payments, we do, um, we do lots of SME products as well. So mm. actually, uh, SME is actually a big part of our business here in Kenya. Mm. Just to let you know. So yeah. So yeah. So tell me about this journey of buying a bank. Like who right. just goes and wakes up as this kid from Ireland coming to Kenya and I'm going to buy a bank? It wasn't until, until I tried everything else. <laughs> let me tell you that much. It was never my intention because um, that wouldn't, that jump from like zero to buying a bank yeah. never happened instantly. It took a while. And yeah. it was just like banging against every wall. Yeah. You know, and then realizing, okay, this is where we are. We're not getting a license new. The banks aren't going to really work with us. Mm -hmm. There's not really much incentive. It's a big risk. Um, investing time and not getting a return. So it's, we've got to go our own way and we're not giving up on this. Mm. And there is a benefit. Mm. We're like, okay, so we're finding it this hard to get a license. Mm. Everyone else must be too. 100%. Right. There isn't a digital bank here. There's like four in Nigeria, five. Mm. I'm sure there's probably 10 if you include the small ones. So like, mm. This could be an advantage. Mm. And we're here, we're early, and we're we're like we're building for this market. So in parallel with the, you know, bet the company on on Nigeria, we started down the process of this and we just got lucky. I mean, when you're here long enough, mm -hmm. you get whispers. Yeah. You hear that someone's for sale. Because yeah. these things are yeah. you don't just knock on the door of microfinance bank yeah. and you buy them out and you hear yeah. someone's distressed or whatever. Oh, they're not meeting their customers' deposits. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's what happened with um Daraja. Mm -hmm. And you know, the nice thing about it is there's a small list. It's 14 mm -hmm. banks, 14 microfinance banks. Um, so we heard about it through the whispers and um, we we moved quite quickly to speak with them. Um, and we very quickly said that we were extremely keen to get them into an exclusive heads of terms right away. Mm -hmm. um, because we were, yeah, we felt it was an opportunity there. Um, we had really good numbers in Nigeria. So we were able to do a series A. So we had money you know, we had money coming. Mm -hmm. um, so we were able to like get into a process and then like as part of that raise in Series A, we're like, we have a, we have a heads of terms here with a microfinance bank. Nice. Right, so now we, we wanna, we need this money because yep. we're gonna spend some of, quite a bit of it on yeah. this purchase. Um, so then we went about it, but it took, let me yeah. think about this, 
that was probably yeah, that was probably twenty twenty one. Yeah. And we opened our doors June this year, twenty twenty three. So that took a long time, two and a half years. So a lot of people come to me now and they want to get in the market quick. Yeah. I'm like, join, <laughs> join the queue, pal. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. We were a long, a long time game. ago. Yeah, it's yeah. a long game. It is. Yeah. And it ain't getting any easier as far as I can tell. Yeah. Um, so that was just, it was kind of amazing. It was surreal, yeah. you know, um, to have that come through. Yeah. Um, and it was incremental. Like we got the yeah. approval um, in like gazetted, um, we got a pr- shares changed hands in December last year, December 30th. Then the we got gazetted, um, we got gazetted by the central bank, and that's when like TechCrunch wrote about it, mm-hmm. and we didn't even know about that. Usually you work yeah. for coverage, yeah. and you do the whole press release and all that kind of stuff, yeah. and then we're like, someone's like, "Oh, you're in TechCrunch." They were like, "What?" <sighs> and they found like whoever found the Kenyan central bank gazette. It's yeah. like almost bought. 66.6% of this bank. Yeah. So then it got real because everyone knew about it. We weren't going to talk about it straight away. Yeah. Everyone knew about it. And then we, then we're like, yeah, this is happening, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like what a journey. And then it was yeah. just for us, it was kind of a homecoming because we had done mm-hmm. the, the bank in Nigeria was growing and it was going really well. Mm-hmm. Product was built. So we had a lot of stuff going for mm-hmm. us now. And then we were able to open our doors here and yeah. it's, it's been, it's been amazing, you yeah. know, to get into the market. Nice. I want to go to the personal side of you um, and get to know you a little bit better. Um, What matters to you most in life and why? Whoa, that's a big question. (laughs) Um, That is a big question. You really just got to go straight for that one, yeah? (laughs) Um, Okay. I suppose... I think relationships when it gets down to it probably is what matters the most if you strip it all away like achievement i think is as an entrepreneur that's a big part of it right achievement's great you hit a milestone like you said last night about your first remittance into kenya that's a big goosebumps adrenaline thing and those things are great but they can be also short-lived now you're doing (laughs) thousands of them and it's it's not giving you adrenaline anymore right because (laughs) you're here so those achievements are great and as an entrepreneur you're, you're pushing for those things but at the same time, like it comes down to relationships, right? That's what matters now, 10 years from now, 50 years from now, we're hopefully still sitting here. Um, I think that's a big part of, of life. I think that's where I get energy from. And if you talk to anyone who knows me, like I get massive FOMO, like I can't miss anything because if I know people that I love are in a certain place, I want to be there. Um, it's a family trait for sure. So I, I think definitely, definitely relationships, friends, family. I'm from a family of like I have five siblings and my I think I have 50 first cousins. My, my dad has nine siblings and my mom has five. Wow. So like, you know, we're just all over the place. I yeah. probably couldn't name all my cousins. I yeah. probably shouldn't admit that. <laughs> but I probably couldn't. I definitely couldn't actually. Yeah. We get two thirds. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, um, that's, that's it. Like that's a big part of it um, is relationships and um, family and making sure that you're making people's lives better in some tiny way just by being like around and enthusiastic and supportive and all the other things. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think that's that's it for me. As an entrepreneur and like even being far away from family, you're 10,000 plus miles away from your loved ones and a lot of yeah. your loved ones. Um, how do you balance that out given how important relationships are to you? Yeah, yeah, it's a good question. Um, definitely far from home, um, but also Firstly, you know, you build, you build a family where you are, right? You know, you, you want to immerse yourself in the culture. You want to, you know, whether it's people you're working with, all of our staff that mm-hmm. like, 
you know, everyone that I work with in both offices, both in Nairobi and in Lagos. And then like you, over time you build a community. And in some ways it's nice to be challenged, to be like in a new city, like I'm living in Nairobi now. Mm -hmm. And you know, you're starting from scratch, but it's a challenge. Mm. It's out of your status quo. It's, it's your building mm. and you're um, trying new things and you've got to get out there and meet mm. people. And that's, that's really good. Like we had an event here, you know, last night that you guys put on and um, lots more connections, lots more people that have all got an interesting story. Um, and then the second thing is, you know, Ireland's a nation of emigrants. So we've had, <clears throat> you know, since going a long way back, we've had uh, emigration, right? So Great Famine, a million people died, mm -hmm. a million, million and a half people left mm -hmm. to the US, to, um, mm -hmm. to the UK, majority in Australia in a big way. So like a, a lot of Irish um, families, it's, you know, like I've, I'm from the six of us and one of us lives in Ireland mm -hmm. and five of us live out internationally, mm -hmm. you know? So it's actually quite common, like Christmas is coming up, we'll all be going home and yep. half the people I'll meet over Christmas are actually living abroad. So mm -hmm. like, it is actually something that we've, as a small island with a lot of immigration, have kind of come to be a part of our lives in a way. Mm -hmm. um, and let's be honest as well, technology has made our lives easier. Mm -hmm. um, FaceTimes, yeah. WhatsApp calls, like you think about the concept of paying for an international yeah. call, it feels like you're getting charged whatever, whatever it was, a euro a minute to call home, yeah. like that's painful, but like a WhatsApp call is easy. Have you your, know, so things have gotten a little bit closer too. Have your parents supported you a lot in your journey? Yeah, massively. They're like so not stressed and they should have been many times. Like, you know what I mean? Like they have never been, they've not been those kind of parents who are like, you know, I guess like you gotta do this or do that or like you shouldn't quit your job in New York that's paying you really way too much mm. and do this thing, which is not gonna pay you for a long time. Uh, super supportive, like it's, they're just kind of, I guess, relaxed people and it helps if you've got like five siblings distracting them. <laughs> but yeah, like they're, they've always been supportive. Um, and I, yeah. Are you closer to your mom or your dad? That's, it's, it's different things. So for me and dad, it's like sport, it's Liverpool, it's Guinness. Oh man, Liverpool, killing me. <laughs> top of the league right now, I'm glad we're recording today, we're top of the league. Um, United lost 3-0 yesterday. Um, we won't talk about that one yeah. right now. <laughs> Arsenal lost, Liverpool won again. Um, so yeah, for me dad, it's like sports. Um, my dad's crazy, he's like 76 years old, still mm -hmm. plays soccer every Thursday. Wow. Uh, new hip and everything mm -hmm. out there playing soccer. So like, mm -hmm. there's that bond and then there's like Guinness and Dirty Nelly's our local pub and there's just like, he's so interested in the business every time. I can't get on the phone for less than 20 minutes with him because he's got questions about the business, about me, mm. which is great. And then mom's the opposite. She's like, I call her, look, I'm gonna keep this quick. I'm on the way to somewhere. I'm like, cool, we'll catch up. And then with her, it's long walks across Clare. That's that's our thing. We go out hiking, whatever mm. else. And and um, she just, she's like a, a very busy person, like running around doing everything. And, and our relationship is more, she probably drives me a little bit more, I would say. Mm. And it's more, I guess, she, like when I get back, she's like, what's our itinerary? Like, mm. what are we doing? Are we going hiking these hills next weekend? Are we doing X, Y, and Z? And that's our relationship. So it's, I couldn't choose either. They're just different. Yeah. If you, if they were in this room right now and... They'd be sweaty. It's hot in here. <laughs> <laughs> it is very warm it's, in it's here. It's a lot of lights. It's a lot of lights, yeah. yeah. If mom and dad were in this room right now and here um, in Nairobi, uh, what would you tell them? Karibusana, firstly, obviously. Mm. Um, and then, I don't know, I think they'd be, I don't know if I would tell them anything, but I think they'd be pretty happy with 
what we're doing here. You know, we're, we're doing something pretty ambitious, definitely. Um, and it's a little bit unexpected for sure, but I think they'd be pretty happy with the whole thing. Definitely took about probably two and a half years until my mom really knew what I did or really like had, you know, something to do with tech. And then it was in the newspaper in Ireland once and it was like bank Africa and then it clicked. And she's like, I get it now. You're like the credit union I work. I, I you know, get car loans from. I'm like, yes, that one. <laughs> pretty much that. It's like, I'm like, we've got an app. <laughs> so now she's kind of come around to it and she finds it quite exciting. Yeah. You know, so I think, yeah, I think they'd be pretty, uh, pretty happy. I know what I'd say to them if I just show them around the place, you yeah. know, um, show them the whole country. Yeah. How does it feel to be a foreign founder here in Nairobi where, you know, in Kenya so often you see in like articles online, it was like, oh, you know, only white founders can raise money in Kenya. And, you know, it's not really the story you see in Nigeria, but, you know, sometimes obviously when you read so, so, some of these articles, it doesn't give a great feeling just generally, yeah. right? And it's not, you know, it doesn't make you feel great. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming, at least for me, it wouldn't, yeah. right? And, you know, how do you merge that mentally and how do you personally like, carry yourself with that and, and knowing that? Yeah, no, it's it's very interesting. Um, and it's definitely more so, like you said, more of a thing in Kenya than it is in Nigeria because Nigeria's got a more developed ecosystem mm -hmm. and there is much more um, venture happening there, local VC firms and everything else, um, which is happening, which is good. But yes, I've definitely seen it online. I've, like, I've been fortunate where it hasn't been a major issue for us. We've just been like focused on building and getting stuff done. But yeah, I get it. I'm like, I'm an Irish person. Like I'm not from here. You know, I stand out like a sore thumb in certain places. But what I found is actually quite the opposite. Mm. Um, people have been super welcoming. Mm. Like often like I'm chatting to the, like Uber drivers, right? We're just like mm. going somewhere and like, they're like, oh, like, what's your story? You're in Kenya. And I'm like, yeah, I moved here, like set up a company here. And like, they're like, oh, you moved to Kenya to set up a company. I'm like, yeah, yeah. And they're like, like any connection? I'm like, no, just like love it here. Like set up a company here. And they're like, they love the fact that I've come here and set up a business, you know, and that's outside like tech, mm -hmm. Twitter or whatever else. But, you know, I think that's really positive that, you know, someone who doesn't have much of a connection has decided mm -hmm. we're going to come here. We employ, employ like 55 people in Nairobi and Lagos, mm -hmm. um, you know, and I think that's really, really positive that like people don't complain if I go to America and start a company. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I think it's, we should be encouraging people to come in and like invest in this country, employ people, mm -hmm. Like if you look at Paystack, right? They mm -hmm. came in, they're like kind of OG in, in Nigeria. And now you got the Paystack Mafia that are doing their own companies. Mm -hmm. Like the more we employ and, and have high tech jobs happening here with these companies, mm -hmm. the more we're spinning off local entrepreneurs. And Nigeria, as it's a little bit further ahead, you can see that people mm -hmm. have come out of these bigger companies and built fintechs. So mm -hmm. for me, I think it's a positive mm -hmm. and it's actually only really been positive that I've decided to go all in on Kenya, Nigeria, invest all my time here. Mm -hmm. And the other thing I'll say on the on the side of having worked here for a while, going to like VC events here now and stuff, I'm seeing lots more local VCs. Mm -hmm. I'm seeing lots more mm -hmm. stuff happening where VCs who know what they're doing yeah. are investing cleverly. Because we've yeah. seen there's a bit of craziness happen. Yeah, yeah. A lot of VCs didn't know what they were doing and came in with big rounds yeah. and then they pulled back. Yep. That's not sustainable. Whereas mm -hmm. I've seen now someone's raised either their Africa fund, like QED or now we've mm -hmm. got their... Um, Jibango, who's yeah, exactly. Africa. Yep. Mm -hmm. And they've got more of that happening and lots more local VCs. Mm -hmm. And like you got Partech and you've got like a lot of players that have just raised fresh yeah. rounds. Yeah. Norskin just did a fresh round, yeah. you know, a fresh like um, fund. So that's positive as well yeah. because that gets locally systems going. But yeah. um, so far, I think it's ultimately what you want is people coming here and, and going all in on, yeah. on this market. What's the worst question a VC has asked you about your business or about the African continent? 
it's hard to say like nothing I've nothing succinct for you that yeah. really that I can think of off the top of my head um I've had you know, I've had super high level like passes on the business right you're you're talking about where it's a quick phone call someone interests you it's like the like Africa smartphones I don't see it yeah you're like have you looked at any of the stats have you looked at like the 250 million people getting their first smartphone in the next three years mm -hmm. like no, no I I don't see it. I, I think that market's going to remain kind of like a really difficult market to crack. I'm like, you're just ignoring every piece of information that's out there. Mm -hmm. you know, that's a, It's a very ignorant kind of view mm -hmm. um, that you get from certain investors. Mm -hmm. But like, honestly, you know, it doesn't work for either party in that situation. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that one, just the offhand, like I don't see this market ever developing. It's like ridiculous. Yeah. So, you know, that's just certain people, you know? Yeah. Um, so as you look in, what's next for you guys in 2024? As you like, yeah, you know, we're bringing in the new year. What's next? What's coming up? Um, what are you hoping to achieve in this new year? Yeah. So look, we're fortunate in the fact that Nigeria is growing really, really nicely. It has been all year. Mm -hmm. uh, we just got it figured out. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, it's it's working very, very nicely. Mm -hmm. It's a more mature business. It's three years in Nigeria come January. Um, wow. Keeps Amazing. going well. Touch wood, you know. Yeah. Then uh, Kenya's a focus, obviously. Um, mm -hmm. I moved here about a year ago to really be hands-on with with managing the bank here because mm. definitely it's it's a relationship game when you when you're running a bank, mm -hmm. central banks and big depositors and big customers. Mm -hmm. So for Umba, it's all about um, getting our second market as mature as our first, mm -hmm. proving that we can we can uh, perform really really well here, mm -hmm. and then building like you know a mass market brand. Like mm -hmm. we're starting in SME, we're kind of like lower volume to start with, but then we go mass market, which would be really really interesting, and. There's a couple of things that I, I won't talk about now, but that are coming that are very interesting for our SME customers. Mm. We've been talking a lot with our customers in SME and there's just so much. Compared to Nigeria, there's yeah. the one place where people unprompted say, I hate my bank. <laughs> I swear. Yeah. I don't bring it up. I don't yeah. say I have digital bank. I don't say anything yeah. like, as a friend of mine, just two days ago talking, she's like, I spent three hours on a Friday making payments. Yeah, gosh. She's like, I don't know the difference between Paceling and RTGS. I'm like, you shouldn't have to. Yeah, yeah. They should be saying, do you want fast and cheap or like slow or <laughs> fast and expensive and slow and cheap? But they don't, they just make it difficult. And I'm like, this is like music to my ears that you hate it. So mm. starting to provide a better alternative. Because mm -hmm. like I said earlier, Family Bank, I don't know if I should name them, but anyway, their yeah. strategy next year is build more branches. Yeah. More branches equals more customers. We're yeah. like, absolutely not. One branch yeah. that's legally required by Central Bank, yeah. digital onboarding across the entire country. That's mm -hmm. our vision and that's what we're going to do and that's why we feel we're better mm -hmm. at, at what we're doing than what they're doing. Mm -hmm. um, and and it's, it's all about just delivering a great customer experience here. Mm -hmm. And then ultimately, we obviously want to have a team in the Kenyan Premier League. That's the dream. Oh. Wow, Umba United is kind of working title, but that is what we use. Because <laughs> KCB have a team, right? KCB have a team in the Premier League. Yeah. yeah. So that, like, the long term vision is yeah. we get to a point where that actually makes sense. Yeah. And that would be a, a great day for us. Yeah. <laughs> be good staff nights out. You know, go to the game. Yeah, go to know? the game really quickly and, and yeah. enjoy. Yeah. What do, what do you fear the most in your industry? In our industry. Um, I guess you have you've pretty big banks with a lower cost of capital that you wonder maybe they could figure out fintech. Yeah, that is a concern because like their cost of capital is low. If mm -hmm. and just to explain for people who may not know, it's like mm -hmm. some customers you pay for mm -hmm. deposits, yep. you, know, you pay interest on a savings account. Some mm -hmm. customers put it in their current account. Mm -hmm. All that money gets mm -hmm. lent anyway. Mm -hmm. So some people are giving you zero percent deposits, mm -hmm. and you can lend it at 10, mm -hmm. 20, whatever. 
on vehicle financing or mm. whatever it is. Mm. So those guys have a low cost of capital and huge amount of customers that will just leave their money there. Right. And we got to build that. If they figured out how to do fintech, then that's tricky, mm-hmm. right? But the way we see it is we kind of figure out how to bring in more customers much quicker than that happens. And, mm-hmm. and I, I, I know C-suite people in big banks and their lives are just dealing with complexity of yeah. systems and it's a disaster. So like, I think we, sh- we should be okay. And then mm-hmm. obviously the world, like VC has pulled back because mm-hmm. the public markets are down. Mm-hmm. So there's been a, you know, a mismatch in a lot of um, LPs kind of capital yeah. allocation. Yeah. So that's had a pullback in VC. Mm-hmm. It's affected um, so many companies. A lot of companies yeah. and you know, a lot of, for a lot of VCs, if yeah. they're like European or mm-hmm. US, we are the kind of exotic, uh, mm-hmm. the bets, you know? Yeah. And we're definitely the ones that you probably wouldn't be doubling down on. You're like, okay, if we're, if we're attracting, we're going to go on our core focus. Yeah. And what we so, understand best, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. luckily, like I said, there are some funds, yeah. um, some good funds here that are also, that are active. So yeah. that's a concern, but let's hope we're through the worst of it. Yeah. All right. So he's mentioned Liverpool a few times uh, in this conversation. So I have to ask these questions. Why Liverpool? I had no choice. All of my family, all the six kids support Liverpool because my dad loves Liverpool because he was growing up through all of the 70s and 80s where he won like 16 league titles mm-hmm. European Cup many times like Kenny Dalglish all the the big icons Ian Rush so like when we were born we were born into like Liverpool jerseys you know wow yeah massively so so what do I have to convince you to finally come to the good side and join Manchester United so I'm actually going to Anfield next week wow. to see Liverpool beat United <laughs> so <laughs> let's see. Let's if, see if Liverpool beat United. When this thing comes out, it'll probably yeah. be after the game. If United win, let's like let, this could date. Like this could be a problem. But if United win, um, I'll consider it. Uh, you consider? Okay, you consider. Hey, you've heard it here first. How about let, 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 who's going to win the league this year? That this is twenty twenty three to twenty twenty four. Right now, Liverpool are playing badly, but they're top of the league, which is very good, uh, considering. You know, you, if you're playing, you know. You can't often play well. And you got to give me a straight answer. Who's going to win the league? <clears throat> Liverpool going to win the league. league. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, I got to, I got, I got a yeah. deal to make for you. Yeah. If Liverpool don't win the league, mm-hmm. okay, next year um, on your birthday, uh, for half the day, you have to wear a Manchester United jersey. I'll do it. Yeah, I'll do it. Deal? Yeah. You've got to have Deal. conviction. You've got to have Deal. conviction in these things. If they don't 8th win the of league. September next year. Yeah, 8th you'll of see September me. in Manchester United. I'll, I'll lock myself in my room. You know? <laughs> I'll go to my own party. No, no, no. There has to be a picture posted <laughs> so we have proof that there's a. There's the a bed is growing legs after it's been done. <laughs> no, no, no. So, so. Deal? Yeah. All right, deal. Deal. Yeah. All right. That's going to be an exclusive. All right. This isn't Qu- being filmed, is it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, quick fire round of questions here. Um, St. Patrick's Day or Christmas? Christmas. Christmas, you get like 14 Patrick's Days back in Dublin. Unbelievable. Yeah. (laughs) Nice. Yeah, yeah. Game of Thrones or Breaking Bad? I'm going to Game of Thrones because the guy I know is in it. Oh, wow. So, yeah, yeah. Wow, fascinating. If your life was one theme song, what would it be? Um... I'm just going to go, obviously, with Eye of the Tiger. Eye of the Tiger? <laughs> Come on, it's, nice. it's a classic. <laughs> classic. Um, what comfort food? I mean, food's important to me. You know, I'm always eating. I've heard. Uh, yeah, you've heard. <laughs> you mentioned it. Yeah. Uh, so what, what, what comfort food after a, a tough day? Comfort food. I'm famous for loving carbonaras. 
Mm. I'm famous for loving a good carbonara. Nice. Um, yeah, so a really done well carbonara, there's a couple of tricks to it, but uh, mm. that would be absolutely comfort food, yes. All right, favorite app on your phone that isn't Umba or any social media app? And the Umba staging app is, because that's got the yeah, bleeding yeah, edge yeah. stuff. No, none, none of that. <laughs> favorite app on my phone that yeah. isn't? Umba or any social media app? Um, Spotify. Spotify. Oh, yeah. Why? Music. Mm. Nice. Most interesting item on your bucket list? Apart from hoping that Liverpool wins the league. <laughs> There's no hope. We don't need to hope. We just, we believe. You know? We believe. Um, I'm considering, this is recent. Uh, it's a recent thing, but I'm, I, I think if I say it now, I, I kind of make it happen more. Do you know I'm like manifesting I, I or whatever? I love that, yeah. I'm um, in that. I think I'm going to try and get my pilot's license next year. Wow. Yeah, private pilot's license. Wow. Because um, over here, like, there's a lot of that. Like, there's lots of, like, airstrips everywhere, yeah. out in Masamara and stuff. So um, I think next year I'm going to try and um, I'm going to try and do that. It's huge. Big I hope I'm not watching this and it hasn't happened. So now yeah. I've actually, I've really kind of Now you've got to do it because you've said forward. it publicly. And yeah. Like, you know, the audience, hold them accountable to it. This show is just committing to doing things. Yeah. Like it's, <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's all about building, right? Yeah, that's it. Uh, what is your favorite Swahili word and why? Umba, because it means to grow or to create. Mm. Um, and that's why we, we chose it. We had a different name to start out with. Mm. And then we, we did this whole process and we just looked around for interesting words. And Umba, I think, is it kind of typifies what we're doing, which is you want to, to grow your wealth or to create, you know, if you're a small business or your person. So for me, that's a kind of a, obviously a special word. Back to, back to sports for a second. Um, I know this is not a Liverpool player or, and neither of them are. Mm. Ronaldo or Messi? As a Liverpool supporter, it's messy. Yeah, Ronaldo played for United. Right, so, well, listen, yeah. that's the route. That's the <laughs> on that. Also, note, also, yeah, Messi yeah. is. I mean, let's yeah. let's think about it. He's at Miami. He's yeah. smashing it. Like he's doing unbelievably well. Yeah. Um, the World Cup was amazing. Yeah, like I mean, you, you got to give it to Messi. He's he's the best of our generation. Yeah. I disagree, but you know, really, slide. Ronaldo all day. Anyway. <laughs> um, Important football question, because in, in January and February, it's the African Cup of Nations. Yeah. Uh, which African team do you think uh, will win the African Cup of Nations? I think Nigeria have got a good chance, actually. Mm. I know they lost to Ghana last year. Um, you, you don't think Tanzania is going to win? Tanzania are good at lots of things, okay? <laughs> They're good at lots of things. <laughs> but? I just don't think it's your year. No, I just don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> this will be our year. Don't worry. Team Uni Tanzania, United, I'm with you. United in Tanzania. That's just, uh, that's a tough, that's a tough draw you got over there. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Thierry, thank you so much uh, for being on the show today. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in. I really hope today you can learn about Tianan's journey, uh, building Umba, some of the challenges he's faced and uh, where they've been. And Tianan, I wish you all the best and all the success as you continue to help build and enable the African continent to do business better, but also enable uh, this digital bank you're building across Pan-Africa. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, it's, it's been great to come on. I'm glad we did this. And uh, also, uh, welcome to Nairobi. Thank you. <laughs> Cheers.